Chapter Twelve of the Brownies and Prince Florimel by Palmer Cox. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jude Summers. What happened in the throne room? Led by Queen Titania, Dame Drusilda, Violet, and Daffodil, the strange guests who had come to the wedding without an invitation mounted the spacious marble steps and passed into the palace. In spite of a meek, respectful demeanor that it was very hard for them to assume, they could not conceal the gloating satisfaction that was on their faces. In the meantime, the brownies and fairies were already beginning to enjoy themselves in different parts of the palace grounds. Introductions are hardly necessary when sprites meet, and many found ways of getting acquainted, and were warm friends on their first meeting. Having no suspicion of what was in the evil minds of those she was preparing so hospitably to entertain, Titania with her companions ushered them into the magnificent banquet room. There, upon one of the long tables, were spread many delicacies to make one's mouth water, and, even before an invitation to partake of them could be extended, the four red imps seated themselves before it, and, smacking their lips, began to tuck napkins under their chins. Titania had thought that the guests would leave the presents they had brought out in the hall when they came in, but they still held on to them with a grip so tenacious that she wondered if they really meant to give them up after all. Nevertheless, in a free-hearted way, she urged the visitors to refresh themselves. The imps were already engaged in trying to stuff whole plum puddings into their mouths at once, a greedy proceeding that Dame Drusilda, Violet, and Daffodil watched with considerable disgust. All but the leader started quickly to seat themselves, but he stamped his foot imperiously, and they came to an instant stop. Then he threw back the hood of his scarlet cloak, disclosing a wicked face, and transfixed Titania with his malicious gaze. "'I am Dragonfell the Enchanter, my fine lady,' he said in fiendish tones. "'And I have come to take you away with me!' Titania was so frightened that she could neither scream nor run away and she allowed him to gather her up in his arms and hold her just as a little girl does a doll, making light of load. There she lay passive and trembling, with the realization that it would be useless to make any effort to escape. Almost immediately afterward, Groathead seized the biting, scratching, and clawing Dame Drusilda, whom he dumped in spite of fierce resistance into the baby's crib and when Mandrake and Wolfinger put Violet and Daffodil in after her, it was very plain why this particular gift had been selected. "'Yes, and you're not going to get these presents either,' sneered Dragonfell to Titania, who never said a word. "'You may call me an engine-giver if you like, but I mean to take them back just the same.' With Titania helpless in his arms, he started toward a rear door, while after him came Groughthead and Wolffinger, bearing the crib in which Dame Drusilda, Violet, and Daffodil rattled about like dried peas in a pod. The others followed slowly and reluctantly in their wake, casting longing glances backward at the tempting-looking desserts on the table. The imps, however, 
did not budge, but continued eating. When Dragonfell called out to them in angry tones, they sprang up, and attempted at the same time to jam Charlotte Roos into their gaping mouths. In their frantic haste, they smeared the Charlotte Roos, or whatever the white part is, all over their faces, so that as they hurried after the others with occasional frisky somersaults, they looked as though they had just been lathered by a barber. Out by the rear all passed into the deserted back garden, where there was a small iron door locked and bolted from the inside, and with the key, fortunately for their nefarious plans, in the lock. Through this door Dragonfell and his followers effected their escape with their captives, and ran with all possible speed toward the seashore. The galleon tossed upon the lazy swell, not a great distance out, and in a small boat with snout-pimple and bounding-bore at the oars, they rowed to it, and soon were on board. Then the anchor was weighed, and with all sails filling, they set their course for Dragonfell's enchanted country, which they reached without mishap of any kind. When they got to their journey's end, and all stood safe upon the shore, the full malignity of Dragonfell was shown. Realizing that the indomitable brownies would not relinquish Titania without a struggle, but would follow as quickly as they could to wrest her, if possible, from him, he ordered Vulcan's imps to call upon their master to impede them with a storm. The imps thereupon cast balls of fire into the air, and, even as all bent their steps toward the palace, the enchanter noted with considerable satisfaction quite a change in the temperature. Clouds were already beginning to form on the horizon, and there came the distant rumble of continuous thunder. While they stood just outside the massive doors, they heard the sounds of what appeared to be a violent altercation from within. In an agitated manner, as though he feared the worst, Dragonfell quickly threw them open, and was greatly relieved to see the demon usher and Red Spirit engaged in a friendly game of checkers. "'You cheated!' the Red Spirit accused hotly. "'You jumped three of my men when you should have only jumped two. "'Stop it!' snarled Dragonfell at them. "'You don't know how to play checkers anyhow.' They sprang in consternation to their feet, upsetting the board and causing the checkers to roll all over the floor. While the Red Spirit stood gloating over the success of a venture in which he had played a modest part, the demon usher half-skipped, half-flew to the throne, and with a display of much enthusiasm began dusting off the seat with a cloth. With swaggering stride, Dragonfell went to the throne and threw himself in it, while Queen Titania, Dame Drusilda, Violet, and Daffodil all came running toward him. "'Oh, sir!' cried Dame Drusilda, very much distressed. "'Why have you brought us poor defenceless girls here?' "'Us, my venerable fairy,' said Dragonfell, most insultingly. "'Venerable,' repeated Dame Drusilda. "'Oh, you nasty man!' "'How do you keep your age?' he sneered. "'Easy enough,' she replied indignantly. "'I never give it away.' As she spoke, she made for him, as though she meant to scratch his eyes out. But Queen Titania pulled her back. "'Don't touch him, Dame Drusilda!' she cried, and then turned pleadingly to Dragonfell. 
"'Why have you made me a prisoner, "'and carried me away from home in this way?' "'To prevent your marriage to the Brownie Prince,' he said coldly. "'But we love each other and would be so happy,' she said, "'while tears filled her pretty eyes. "'Why do you oppose the marriage?' "'Because if this marriage were to take place,' he said with an ugly frown, "'it would make you all so powerful as to result in my undoing.' "'You fear,' she said reprovingly, "'that we will frustrate all your wicked plans.' "'It must not, shall not be,' was his decided response. "'The brownies and fairies have long been my enemies.' "'If you did good,' she reminded gently, we would be your friends. Tell me, must I stay here always? Yes, always, he snapped out. The sooner you forget your brownie prince, the better. You shall never see him again. Then Titania showed her spirit. Oh, yes, I shall, she contradicted. The brownies will rescue us. Bah, he said contemptuously. Those poor weak creatures of the night, they could not do it. The brownies can do anything, she said, with perfect trust and confidence. My pretty pet, said Dame Drusilda, you waste words with him. Let us ask some of these other creatures to help us. Maybe they are not as bad as their master. So she coquettishly sidled up to Grouthead, Bounding Boar, Mandrake, Wolffinger, and Snout Pimple, who stood nearby in a highly interested group. But before she could say even a word, Grouthead gathered her up in his arms and held her out in the air, while in her fright she kept kicking the turned-in toes of her tiny shoes together. "'Don't be alarmed, my dear,' he croaked in tones that were meant to be reassuring. "'There's a heart here that beats for you and you alone.' "'Where's the heart?' she gasped. "'In this troubled breast,' he roared. "'I've half a mind to marry you.' "'Put me down!' she screamed. "'I wouldn't marry anyone with half a mind.' Dragonfell rose and stamped his foot angrily, at which silent rebuke Grouthead set Dame Drusilda hastily down. She gave a sigh of great relief, and, gathering up her skirts, flew toward the enchanter. "'Oh, sir!' she implored. "'Can nothing move you?' "'Yes,' he said in sneering tones. "'A ton of dynamite. "'You are a pippin, but you withered on the stem.' "'You villain!' she screamed, "'shaking a tiny clenched fist at him. "'I could annihilate you for that. "'You deserve worse!' "'And she made for him again, "'but the tactful violet and daffodil "'grasped each of her arms and held her back. Dragonfell grinned most provokingly, and his myrmidons fairly shook with glee, while the demon usher cackled his exultation and poked the red spirit on his elastic ribs. Titania took a little spiderweb affair of a handkerchief from her bodice, for her eyes threatened to fill again. Noting the coming tears, the wicked enchanter hastened to say, in tones that were meant to be particularly comforting, "'No harm shall befall you.' "'When you have a wish, you have but to name it.' "'I have one now,' spoke up Titania quickly. "'So have I,' added Dame Drusilda. 
I'll hear yours later, said Dragonfell to the latter gruffly, and then turned to Titania with what he thought was a most winning smile. What is yours? I want my brownie prince. Didn't I tell you you were never going to see him again? said the enchanter in disgust. Ask me something else and make it as hard as you can. But Titania had no other wish, and Dame Drusilda was given no opportunity to make hers known. The days dragged slowly by, and though Dragonfell was not actually rough in the treatment of his captives, he still was most unkind in depriving them of the liberty for which they continually sighed. They were watched and spied upon continually, so there was little or no chance for escape. He endeavored to provide amusements for which they had no heart, and was a sorry host at best. In his crude efforts to entertain them, he welcomed all ideas for sports and diversions, so when, on one occasion, they were all together, and his prisoners seemed unusually depressed, he sat upon his throne, knitting his brows, in trying to think of something that might cheer them up a bit. In the midst of his unsuccessful cogitations, the demon usher half skipped, half flew to him, and prostrated himself at his feet. "'Kind master!' he cried in a flutter of excitement. "'What is it?' asked Dragonfell. "'A band of wandering minstrels outside humbly crave permission to play before you.' "'What, another?' said Dragonfell. "'Show them in.' The words he used were hospitable enough, but the tone of his voice boded little good for the daring musicians.' End of chapter 12